Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. God. We'll start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, through weak human words, give us grace to hear your true and living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The context for today's reading is the Sermon on the Mount, that great block of teaching in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's Gospel. If we commit ourselves to following Jesus and adopt the new values of the kingdom of heaven, we're going to stand out as different from other people. It's not enough to know about God. As disciples, we have to be the activity of God in the world. We're called to live our lives as a new identity, as the the salt and light of the world. But let's resist the temptation to hear the words of Jesus as requirement rather than blessing, as command rather than commissioning. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to become salt and light, do this, or before I call you salt and light, then you really need to dot, dot, dot. Instead, he simply says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is a blessing, affirmation, commissioning. 
It's who we are. We are the salt of the earth. The first thing to say is that the power of this simple metaphor is kind of lost in the modern world where our food is very processed and full of additives, including too much salt, which may be bad for us. So many people are urged to reduce their salt intake for the sake of their health. That might mean in the 21st century we just associate salt with bad things. And if we had any millennials present this morning, I really wish we did, if we had any millennials and we talked about being salty, then they would have another image again. Apparently, and let me just say, I only know because I checked it out in an online urban dictionary, salty means resentful or annoyed for no justifiable reason. I will now know when my son says I'm being salty what he's actually saying. (laughs) He's usually wrong. There's usually a really good reason why I'm annoyed. But anyway, put that aside. So in other words, it's not a good thing. We're going to set aside the negative associations. Salt is a valuable staple product. It's used as a preservative to stop food deteriorating. It's essential for seasoning. So what a privilege then to be called the salt of the earth. We are valued by God. We have a role in saving the world from going bad. We bring out the goodness. But salt is no use if it stays in the salt cellar. It needs to be mixed in with other ingredients. And that means being salty outside these four walls. It means in our everyday lives, wherever that takes us. We need to be involved, demonstrating Christ-like love. The value of salt comes in its application to other things. Likewise, as followers of Jesus, we are called to exist for others. So we need to get out there. But, paradoxically, salt is only of use so long as it keeps its distinct flavour. We mustn't lose our flavour, our distinctiveness. We can't just be like everyone around us if they are not demonstrating kingdom values. Just thinking, how would salt be less salty? And perhaps it's helpful to think about where salt comes from. It might come from salt panning on marshlands or from salt mines. We're used to to seeing our table salt as pure white fine powder, but it is at first crystals mixed in with grit and mud. So if the salt brine seeps away, what are you left with? You're left with a mess. And what's it good for? absolutely nothing maybe we lose our saltiness because of sin or self-indulgence or taking our eyes off Jesus and just following the herd a good review question might be to ask how far we are distinctive from others 
personally and corporately. I thought of a couple of examples. Do we join in the gossip or do we ask people not to spread rumours? Do we take supplies from the stationery cupboard at work because everybody does that? Or we do we recognise that that is theft? An example of how we try to be salty as a church is that we choose to buy fair trade even though it's more expensive than a supermarket-owned brand because we are corporately committed to trade justice and we don't want to contribute to exploiting other people. I'm sure you can think of your own examples. We are the light of the world. In John's Gospel, Jesus is described as the light of the world, but here his light is also provided by his disciples. That's us folks. Have you ever seen a lamp under a bowl? Well, of course not. How ridiculous. The light needs to be where it can repel the darkness if it's to be effective. Jesus tells us that the light is for others to witness the acts of justice that his followers perform. It allows the audience to recognize the cause of these actions. God. And we are a city on a hill. If you think of the city on the hill not as an individual getting a lot of attention, crowing like a cockerel on a dung heap, but rather look at it as a body of disciples together, lots of lights. Imagine, you know, like seeing a city from a plane or something. We're talking about the corporate impact of a Christian community. That's why, for example, it's important for us to be involved in the Warm Space project, project at the Rising Sun. A couple of us trolling along each week is not make or break for the project. But it says to the people of this parish that as a church family, we want to support helping those in need. We want to contribute to the well-being of the people of the parish because God loves them. Or another example. It's why we've put up our plaque highlighting that we now have the Bronze Eco Award. It's um, in the church porch, if you've not noticed. It's in recognition of our steps to be environmentally responsible. It's not to show off. It's to show people that God cares about his creation And therefore, so do we. And I'm sure that, again, you can think of examples of your own, either personally or corporately. Jesus' instruction to us is to let our light shine. Now, that might be difficult for many of us who were taught never to boast but perhaps we can ease ourselves into it by pointing out where we see someone else being salt or light. Perhaps we could think about keeping a log, yes, really, of times when God is using us as salt and light. It's whatever works for us 
to train our brains to think about being salt and light. Our goal of encouraging testimony, it's part of the service, is to help one another to look for God in the world and to come to believe that we are vessels through which God is working, recognising the identity into which we've been called. It's letting our light shine. Now, if you're eagle-eyed, you may notice that let your light shine seems to stand at odds with a message which is later in Matthew's Gospel when Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. That's Matthew 6, 1. It's a godsend to any introverts who don't want to do sharing. In that later discourse, Jesus warns about the public practice of one's righteousness. Here, though, Jesus encourages his audience to let their good works be seen by others. So how do we square this apparent contradiction? Well, My understanding is that the instruction to let our light shine is about celebrating who we authentically are as disciples of Jesus. We're a new creation. In contrast, the later warning is a caution against performative enacting of particular actions that are are intended to capture the attention of others for our own status. That's the kind of, look at me, I'm ever so good. I'm praying now. I'm fasting now. Let your light shine is about visibility, not for our own sake, but so that others know the source of our good deeds. Jesus. So, you need to ask yourselves... We need to ask ourselves, what's the motivation? A good reputation for ourselves or glory for God? You may be very relieved to know I'm not going to go on and talk about um, what Jesus says about the law. (laughs) But I want to conclude with a safety warning. There is a challenge in the passage because being distinctive is not always easy. It will arouse hostility of others and lead to slander and even persecution. Jesus tells us that clearly in the verses that precede this morning's passage. And I'm going to quote them, but not from the NIV that we usually use, rather from the message translation. If there is anybody who's not familiar with the message translation of the New Testament, give it a go. You don't have to buy a hard copy. You can just kind of Google um, a sentence of scripture and then choose the message as the translation. And it's just kind of how people speak. So in this version, Jesus says, You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort 
and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. So, if that doesn't daunt you too much, then how about this exercise? How will we be salt? How will we be light this coming week? When and where will this work itself out in our deeds and our words this coming week? That is the question, or the series of questions, that each of us needs to answer for ourselves, wherever we find ourselves. Amen. So I'll just close in prayer. Guide us, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit to know where the world needs us to be salt and light now. Give us the courage to be a city on a hill and to let our light shine, not for our own sake, but for your glory. Amen.